Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy? Which Giants quarterback will the Cardinals face on Sunday? And does it even matter? Also, Larry Fitzgerald, we heard from number 11 earlier, his experience with COVID-19 and what he did while he was away from the team. But first, Corey Peters news, the best kind. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 368, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. The Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award, MJ, might be the most important award the National Football League hands out each year. You hear it from players. Larry Fitzgerald brought it up when he won the award and was recognized in 2016. It meant a lot to him because of what Walter Payton meant to the league. And it is an award that recognizes a player's excellence on, but more importantly, off the field what they do in the community, their service, their involvement. And earlier today, the Arizona Cardinals announced that Corey Peters is the team's winner of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So without further ado, congratulations to Corey Peters because it is certainly deserved not only for his play, but more importantly, as we mentioned, because of his work with kids specifically in the Phoenix and Maricopa County area. He's a true professional. And for those that have listened to this show since we you and I have been started, or started, he's one guy that we've talked very highly of. And the fact that he's a starter and a captain, uh, kind of the voice of reason, uh, would always stay in his locker, whether his team was winning three games a year, five games a year. And, you know, I, we got a chance to talk to him earlier today to congratulate him and kind of let him tell his story. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that do charity work and a lot of guys make a donation and I don't begrudge them because that's getting awareness out there and that's getting the, the, the support to help these kids. But he actually is getting involved with the community, with his book club, Zoom. And it started during COVID and he told us he's been living here six years and we'll get into what's gonna happen in the future based on what he said he's going to make Arizona his home. And so it's well-deserved. He's a true professional. And when you look at that guy in the locker room, a lot of players look up to him and it just speaks volumes. Uh, he gives back to, to his community. And uh, I really, I'm, I'm really happy for him because, you know, a lot of guys talk a good game. Uh, he went out there and showed what he really wants to do. And it's about, Having kids not to be afraid to ask questions, reading books, don't be afraid to read out loud in front of your, your friends. And that goes a long way to, to being a person in, the, in, in this world, you know, just being, being comfortable in your own skin. He's had a huge impact on the Phoenix's South Point School District as far as that biweekly book club that you just talked about. And it's become a lot more difficult, not only for Peter's but for players with the Cardinals throughout the entire league and throughout professional sports to be involved, especially during COVID-19, yet you're seeing players do it and doing it each and every week. Sometimes it gets publicized, sometimes it does not. Peters said he was, quote, shocked 
when owner Michael Bidwell called to tell him the news. He added, quote, it's a huge honor and I'm proud to represent the organization with the ups and downs of the season, being injured, COVID, everything like that. This makes me feel good, something to smile about, to be happy about in a time when I'm a little bit down. Now, before that last part, it should be also recognized that Peters was also the Atlanta Falcons pick for man of the year in 2011. All 32 teams, their honorees, the league will now choose one NFL man of the year award winner. And that will happen and be announced the week of the Super Bowl. Again, Fitz won it in 2016. Kurt Warner won it in 2008. And that was just kind of a weird scene because they, do the presentation on the field before the Super Bowl, which is a great backdrop. Yet, remember, MJ, 2008, Kurt Warner was a little bit busy that day. He was playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, so he's in full uniform. And I'd have to go back. I don't know. Warner might be the first and only player to be in uniform for those pregame pictures and announcements. I believe so. Yeah, it was it was fascinating, you know, because – you know, whether the Cardinals got to the Super Bowl or not, we, we, we talk about Kurt Warner and what he's done, not only in Arizona, what he does in St. Louis with his co-drive every year. And, and that obviously the Treasure House Foundation for, you know, um, kids with disabilities. So, yeah, yeah. And, and Larry and, and Eli Manning won it together. And uh, I want to say Chris Long won it. Uh, as for a couple of previous Cardinals, uh, Calais Campbell won it last year. David Johnson won it a couple, uh, maybe uh, 2018. Now he's uh, been with the Giants for a year. Antoine Bethay, who did a lot of stuff in the community, also in Atlanta. So, yeah, like I said, I, I like guys that, you know, uh, they put their name out there and, and they really want to give back because, as, as Corey pointed out, you know, it was, it was obviously, you know, growing up, they didn't have everything they needed, but he always wanted to give back to his community. And so um, congratulations to all 32. They're all well-deserved and, and I'm glad their stories are being told. Yeah. Peter certainly well-deserving of it. And then let's go back to what he said when he said, quote, when I'm a little bit down, we have not had a chance to speak to Peter since he got hurt against the Dolphins, suffering that season-ending knee injury. This is now the third time in his career, MJ, that he's gone through a season-ending injury. Twice he tore his Achilles, including his first season with the Cardinals. It happened in training camp. He had just arrived, a huge free agent acquisition, and then he goes down early in training camp. It wasn't mid-training camp. or the, It was early, one of those first practices, and then the Cardinals missed him the entire season. But six seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. And you could just kind of see it on his face that every player wants to be on the field to help. And this was certainly a season. I think a lot of people had expectations with year two with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and Peters now has to watch from the sidelines. The question is which sideline is he going to be playing on next year? He's due to become a free agent. He was asked about it. Quote, I'd love to be a Cardinal for the rest of my career but I understand the business side of things, end quote. It's a lot of uncertainty, not only for Peters this offseason, but for every free agent that is going to hit the market come March. Yeah, and we know that some of these veterans are going to get squeezed based on the salary cap going down 11.7%. Usually it goes up 10 to 12 million per year. 
and they got the TV contract. So hopefully in a couple of years, things will get back to normal. We could see fans at games, but you know, we'll let that all play out. Yeah. And so, uh, but again, from a leadership standpoint, they definitely have tried to, to quote, flood the position with lucky foe two and Richard Lawrence, uh, Michael Dogby. Um, they brought in Jordan Phillips. They've drafted Zach Allen, you know, and hopefully to get Josh Murrell back, maybe a, a guy that on a minimum deal, but um, he'd be a great rotation guy, great, great locker room guy, you know, but you know, you're always leery of those guys get 32, 33 years old. And you're right. It happened right in front of us in training camp. It may have been the first day they were in pads. Um, it happened right there in front of us. And, you know, so, um, you know, the thing is, he's still going to live here and everything else. And, and he knows, but you get into a point where, you know, guys don't recover as much. Now, Darren Urban had a really good question for him. He's dealt with this in the past. He said, as he's gotten older, yes, you're down. Um, but he's able to uh, accept it a little bit better uh, just because he's been through it. Now, Achilles are no no joke. Um, you know, it just snaps. There's nothing you can do. It's just really wear and tear on your body. But, you know, the, the good news is that he's 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 got he got a contract extension. Uh, he, he's well-educated. Um, you can see he's into his family life. Um, so he's got a bright future, whatever he decides to do. But I would like to see him back for another, at least another year. And I would, too. And we brought it up couple of weeks back at the time of his injury and when he was put on injured reserve signaling that he was going to be done for the season. I just, you can't have a team full of veterans, just like you can't have a team full of young players. And I just think he's still productive, 30, 40, 45, 50 snaps, although the start of this season and a lot because it was a young roster and Corey Peters knew what he was doing. He was playing probably more than anyone, maybe even himself, expected at the start of this season. But if you can get him, he's still productive. And, you know, I'm, I don't know what he's looking for, what he, what the market – that's not me. I, that, that's, a, that's a different conversation. I'm just saying about on the field and in the locker room, someone that these players can go to and talk to about anything. Buda Baker brought that up. Corey Peters is one of those players that – doesn't matter football non-football he's always available to offer advice encouragement or just to listen and that speaks volumes because that's not always easy for a player or anybody to be that for someone else so yes selfishly I'd love to see Corey Peters back but also I think it would be good for that Cardinals locker room to have a Corey Peters in there yeah and the thing is you're right. He was playing 72.5 snaps last year. And I said, I'm, I'm, is he going to go down to 40 or 50? He was playing 60 snaps and he, he, he was able to get some pressure. He got some tackle for losses. I love that dance he had. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you have to have veteran guys. We know when it comes to young guys and who knows when Richard Lawrence and, and Lucky, they're, they're counted on to be part of the future, but you know, they need an entire offseason. They all do. So you, you want to, and we know that takes young guys a little bit longer to get going. And at least, you know, in week one, uh, you know, if he's healthy, he's going to be there. Now the question becomes, can he last another season? And that's where you, you know, salary, but there's, you know, I always talk about two things and this isn't very hard because I'm not talking about a free agent that's looking to get paid and, and he's high on someone's list. It's fit and asking price. I don't think he's going to ask for a ton, and he loves the fit. So, to me, it checks both of those boxes. We'll just have to wait and see. 
And it's worth repeating, as you mentioned earlier on this topic, that regardless of what happens next season, Corey Peters and his family, he has roots here now, and all of his work in the community will continue regardless if it's Corey Peters is wearing a Cardinals uniform or not. So that was certainly good to hear. Once again, congratulations, Corey Peters, the Arizona Cardinals, Walter Payton, Man of the Year for 2020. Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Well, we were hoping we would get to hear from him today. We teased it yesterday or asked the question, would Larry Fitzgerald speak as he typically does on Thursdays? Although we had not seen number 11 for the past two weeks because he had tested positive for COVID-19, well, Larry Fitzgerald did get in front of the camera and speak to the media via Zoom. And, uh, well, one, we asked the question yesterday, MJ, and we kind of joked about Blake Shelton's tweets about the bacon and mayonnaise sandwich. You didn't have to ask the question. Someone did it for you. And the answer is no, Bird Gang. Larry Fitzgerald has never had a bacon and mayonnaise sandwich. That is correct. And he said he's good friends with Blake Shelton. And uh, obviously he loves his support, but uh, he, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't say that he's ever had that sandwich. Like I said, that was so uh, out of the left field. He should have come up with this uh, ham and cheese or, you know, Italian sub or even peanut butter and jelly, even a tuna fish sandwich. I think everyone could have relate to that. Um, but that's Blake Shelton. You know, he's, he's a little bit different. Let's get into what Fitz did say about his experience with COVID-19 and then about the team. First, the two weeks that he was gone, quarantined when it was announced on Thanksgiving, or I should say when it was reported on Thanksgiving Day that he had tested positive for COVID-19. He called it an interesting week, and I'm sure he meant a couple of weeks for him. But there were a lot of different questions about this two-week period that Fitz was gone, and some very serious, some kind of off the cuff. But the seriousness of what Fitz went through, one, he still can't smell or taste anything. He dropped about nine pounds, to which he says, I feel the best I've ever felt physically because he allowed his body to rest. So that is all good. But with respects to what he did over this two-week period of time, MJ, he did some estate planning. He redid his will. That alone should make everyone aware of, one, how serious this virus is and just the mindset of a Larry Fitzgerald, arguably, maybe not arguably, the greatest Cardinal player to ever put on the uniform, a world-class athlete, and here is someone that was not thinking about his playing future, but as he said, the immediate future, like staying alive, that kind of hits close to home, MJ. Yeah, but he also mentioned that he's been procrastinating all these things, and it was time to him to get some of these chores done. So, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I get it. That was when we got to see the big smile from Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know what the chores <laughs> were or anything around the house. I, I don't see Larry Fitzgerald with a hammer and a nail and a screwdriver. <laughs> and he, doesn't, he doesn't come across as Mr. Handyman. No. Um, well, you know, those are champagne problems. <laughs> exactly. No. no, but he was quarantined, and he said he used the Pelton a few times. He did try to go out and run. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, here's a guy that's on the go all the time, right? You know, you would think, you know, just his, his kids, you know, you, you know, going to their like uh, football games, uh, which Kyle Vandenbosch is the head coach. And, uh, you know, taking them out, doing things, obviously social distancing, wearing a mask, but he's probably not a guy that's going to sit around, but when you, you have to be quarantined, like, okay. And, you know, he has an assistant and I'm sure, you know, there's a list of head goes on and maybe he'll say, I'll do it in the off season. Why not knock it out it now? So, but it was also um, interesting to where, you know, he, he was just talking about the smell and all. And, and I know friends that have had it like in June and July and they're still suffering from that. So on a serious note, yeah. And he talked about, you know, he's reading how many people are dying every day and you, you, you do take it serious that it happens to you. And, and he said he got tons of calls, uh, text messages, and he really appreciated knowing, you know, how many people were looking out or were asking about him. So that, that, you know, he said he, at the end of the day, he said, I know how many people I, you know, met over the years and they reached out to me. Yeah, it was uh, one good to hear from Larry Fitzgerald and uh, he was very open about yes. his experience. And I think it is important for, again, if you feel comfortable in sharing, but these stories I think are good for a lot of people to hear because, you know, here we are, it started in March, we're in December, and there are still a lot of us that maybe still don't quite understand what the world is going through right now. So, hey, if a Larry Fitzgerald can contract this virus, then anyone can. And uh, that needs to be plain and simple. So Larry Fitzgerald is back. He was asked a couple of different times, MJ, about playing on Sunday. Typical Fitz-like fashion. You know what? I I'm just going to prepare. And if my number is called and I can't control that, I think he's going to play. He practiced yesterday. He practiced today. I do still have the question just how much we're going to see. Because as we discussed yesterday, there's game shape and then there's just being in shape. We know Fitz is in shape, but two weeks away, 13 days, just how game ready is he? I still think he's even at less than 100%. He's still better than a lot of wide receivers in the league. Well, he's just, he's, he's got football IQ. I, you know, he, it's not like he's going to try to outrun you. He's going to try to outsmart you. He's going to start, he's going to use his technique. So, like I said, if they have 65, 70 plays, you know, 40 to 48, uh, but again, you know, Christian Kirk's going to have to step up. And if they decide to address five wide receivers, you know, Sherfield's going to be that fifth. And then Keyshawn Johnson, if they want to go four wide, they felt like they got a little bit of a energy there. You can't do it all the time. And Kyle's got to get rid of the ball and stuff like that. But just having his presence, and you could just see, and, uh, you know, Buda Baker, he, he said he, he, he looked faster on the field. I, we didn't know about the nine pounds, but – he, he did have a pep in his step. I mean, when you take something that he loves to do and he loves the process and I know he loves playing on Sundays and here he's sitting at home and he did say that with the bird eye in the sky, he did have some, uh, you know, things that he brought up with certain people that in the know. And I got to think that's the coaching staff and, and, the, and maybe the offense or the quarterback um, to where, you know, he took, he was able to take a lens back and say, Maybe this is something I was able to see on TV because on when on game day you're just focused what's going on. You know, guys are talking in this next possession. So it was interesting that he he learned a little bit about the team just watching from his living room. 
Good point. Here's what Fitz had to say. Quote, I've discussed those things with my coaches and my teammates. He would not tell us what he saw on TV, but he did add, quote, you do see things that you normally wouldn't see when you're playing. It was actually pretty helpful to be able to observe from a distance. End quote. Always from a different perspective when you kind of have that 30,000 foot view. And yes, when you're on the field in the midst of it, you don't see the entire field. But now from the comfort of your living room, your couch, you turn on the TV and you know what guys are supposed to do. And then you see what they do. And then you can come back and offer some advice. And maybe it is better when a peer tells you as opposed to a coach. It's like a kid. They'll take lessons or they'll take advice perhaps from their peers or their teachers more so than they will from their parents. They hear their parents all the time in their ear. It's like a coach. I, I hear you all the time, and it, sometimes it just becomes white noise. Perhaps what Fitz saw, he can relay that to either the offense, defense, or specific players, and we might see something, or we might not, but it might be just subtle enough that will help this team. He's played in so many different offenses, so he can recognize things. And again, it, I'm, I'm sure he didn't have a 50-inch television he was watching it on, so he probably had a, you know, a projector or a big screen where he was able to see everything he wanted. I'm sure Fitz uh, had everything he needed in front of him to be able to watch yeah. the games the past two weeks. And hopefully, with that second set of eyes, if you will, Fitz can tell Kingsbury or Kyler Murray or maybe he's got some advice for the defense to get this team back on track because that at the end of the day is the goal right now for this team as they are in the midst of a three game losing streak and having lost four of their last five, as we now kind of turn our attention here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals week 14 and the New York giants. A couple of notes before we get into what this Cardinals defense might be facing offensively with respect to the Giants. One, head coach Cliff Kingsbury has already ruled out Jalen Thompson. He will miss a third straight game because of an ankle injury. And Jordan Phillips on the practice field for the past two days, officially listed day to day, and they'll kind of see how he progresses throughout the week on whether he'll be able to be activated to the active roster on Sunday. But uh, bottom line is you've got some depth now at defensive line. It can only help if Jordan Phillips is available for this team. Yeah, and I always try to read in what coaches say. Uh, the fact that he's on there, it is a hamstring injury, so we know those can linger. He's a big guy. They definitely need him, so it may not happen this week. Hopefully it has, but obviously over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to see him. It's just a matter of you know, how he practices, any soreness, um, you know, you are making a road trip and, and you're flying for five hours and all, some of that stuff can linger. But if he's going on the trip, then maybe they'll just work him out. But we'll know more on Friday. A couple of concerning items with respect to that defense and the health report. Devondre Campbell has not practiced the past two days because of an ankle injury. And Jonathan Joseph has not practiced because of a stinger that he suffered in the game on Sunday. And Isaiah Simmons did not practice on Thursday because of a neck-slash-back injury. And anytime you show up on a Thursday and you weren't on on a Wednesday, that would lead you to believe that something happened during Wednesday's practice. So 
something to keep an eye on, not only Jordan Phillips, but Devondre Campbell, Jonathan Joseph, and now Isaiah Simmons, who again was not on the field on Thursday. And we should mention because of Mother Nature, the Cardinals practiced inside the bubble. They were not on the grass. So we will wait. Friday's injury report is always the most important. We'll get the game status from the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, to figure out exactly who Vance Joseph might have at his disposal this week against the Giants. I uh, did not see Campbell out of practice yesterday. Um, he's been dealing with a, an injury. I think he's played better uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I did see Simmons uh, uh, during the open portion of practice. Um, he was next to Hicks. Um, so if you look at it on paper, I mean, if Campbell's not able to play, uh, I would assume it's going to have to be Simmons. And then you got Chris Banjo, who's a veteran guy. You know, to me, Jalen Thompson's got a little bit more range, but it is what it is. At least he's a guy that dresses on game day and he plays on teams. And he's getting better. It's just, you know, the more he sees, the more he plays, the more active he could be. Um, so it's it's not ideal. But in, in Jonathan Joseph, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's that was scary. And you, I didn't know if it was a concussion. It was a stinger. And so you got to be you got to be careful anytime you talk about that. And, and they really like what he was doing. Maybe that get Byron Murphy some more time out there. Um, but I really like those four corners uh, when they're when they're healthy. Because uh, I think Kirkpatrick probably is doesn't get talked about enough. I think he's done well and there's games that obviously give up plays like anybody else but yeah that is they, they've taken a hit on defense and I don't think they can take any more hits it seems like well especially at that inside linebacker position outside of Hicks Campbell and Simmons you got Tanner Vallejo and Ezekiel Turner Zeke is more of a special teams guy so if Campbell is less than 100 percent or Simmons is less than 100 percent because of what we think something happened at practice on Wednesday for him to show up on the injury report on Thursday, perhaps Tanner Vallejo, who did get a run last year next to Jordan Hicks at inside linebacker. So certainly depth at inside linebacker now all of a sudden is uh, something to pay attention to. Yeah. And we'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow. And, you know, we got a chance to talk to Vance today, Vance Joseph Cardinals defensive quarter, like we do every Thursday, always a good conversation. Um, and, you know, last year they had Pat Shermer as their head coach, and he's more of an offensive man, the guy, and they were throwing the ball, um, you know, with Daniel Jones. And this year, you know, they bring in Jason Garrett, and he says they've gone from a passing team to a running team. And then Galman, um, last week, uh, Wayne Galman, and then Alfred Morris, um, they really ran the ball really well. And he says their offensive line's big. We know about Andrew Thomas and then Cam Irving. And they got some good players up there. And he mentioned Evan Ingram. So this team doesn't score a lot of points, um, but they're big and physical up front. Um, you know, we'll see if Daniel Jones runs a little bit. We'll get into this tomorrow. But I'm just saying that front seven needs uh, somehow, some way, Craig. I mean, that, that's going to be a big issue in this game. If you don't have your your starters, you could say with, with every team, but we know how important some of these guys are for the Cardinals. Well, just that front seven, whether it's defensive line and linebackers, no, you don't have a Chandler Jones, you don't have a Corey Peters, and right now Jordan Phillips is on the shelf making his way back. But this team needs to kind of get back to what they were doing earlier in the season, even immediately after Jones got hurt, and that is getting to the quarterback getting pressure up the middle or on the edges. MJ, this team does not have a sack, or excuse me, they only have seven sacks over the last four games. 
And is that predicated on because, you know, you don't have Chandler Jones and that certainly has played a factor. Devon Kennard certainly hasn't given you what you had thought you were going to get from him as far as a pass rush. And Marcus Golden, he has one sack in the five games that he has played with the Arizona Cardinals. And Hassan Reddick only has or has no sacks or quarterback hits since week seven. Well, I think Reddick more playing time. He, 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 you know, teams watch him on film. He's a guy you got to ID when you break the huddle because he can rush the passer if that's his, one of his strengths. Yeah, Golden, he's missed a few sacks this year. I mean, it's just a matter of him, you know, being disciplined, um, don't jumping off sides. Um, but I'm never going to question the passion, the energy he brings. You know, to me, they'll come in bunches for him. But if they're more of a rushing team, you need to have your bigs out there. Now, uh, they do have, you know, their wide receivers, you know, Darius Slayton and then Golden Tate's more of a slot receiver. Um, they got some guys that can, you know, run the routes, but, and then Evan Ingram, but I'm just saying if, if, if you have to rely on Tanner Vallejo or Zeke Turner, cause they're capable of playing. It's just, they're obviously more backups and rotation guys, but if Jonathan Joseph, we'll see about him. Uh, I wonder how that's going to affect their sub packages. Cause you know, if they're a running team, you got to get your bigs out there. If they're, they're going to try to spin it, which I don't think they'll do. And I don't think Jones is going to run as much with a hamstring injury. So ultimate matchup, but you like to have your bigs um, in that front seven, because I do think they're going to try to run the football based on what's happened the last couple of weeks. Daniel Jones limited again because of that hamstring injury, although according to head coach Joe Judge, they are certainly, quote, optimistic that Daniel Jones will play this week. He did not last week when the Giants went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks. Colt McCoy got the win in relief or as the backup. His first win since 2014. But to your point about this Giants offense, their success is because they run the football, 11th best rushing offense, but they had 190 yards on the ground against the Seahawks with Wayne Gallman rushing for a career high, 135 yards. We always hear it. You have to stop the run. And that is certainly the case this week. Yeah. And, you know, Alfred Morris, I mean, he, he really gets the headlines, but it was really Gallman that got the, you know, it looks like Alfred Morris is their short yardage back. He got two touchdowns. Galman, he had over 100, what, 119 yards. They ran for 191 yards. So it looks like, and, and when I watched the highlights of Galman, this guy, he can, he, can, he can do a jump cut on a dime. Like there wasn't a big hole for him, but he was able to bounce outside. So that's, and, and again, the Cardinals got to be a much better tackling team in that secondary um, we talked about how many yards after catch the Rams had over 250 yards. And, and that's a them getting too much separation and then they're off to the races or you're, you're not flashing your coverage or you're missing tackles in the open field and the car and Vance harped on it again to the third down. So yeah, this, this offense may not have explosive plays. They haven't scored a ton of touchdowns, but once again, I just don't think they beat themselves. Does it matter whether it's Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, at least as far as what the Cardinals are looking to do to get their team a win? Well, I think Jones, they can throw the ball down the field more. It looks like Colt McCoy, who we know the Cardinals have struggled against backup quarterbacks, especially on the road. Um, Landry Jones comes to mind. Um, he's more of a you know, game manager, but he's a, he has experience. He's smart enough. He's been around different uh, franchises. He was played at a high level in college. So he, him, he's not going to make mistakes. 
Jones could press it at some point in time, um, but their offense is completely different from when the Cardinals went up there and got on that winning streak after Cincinnati. So um, I think Jones is a guy that can make more plays where Colt McCoy is just, you know, again, he's going to try to win the game if they have to, but I think he's more of a, and it's not a bad thing game. Just don't turn the ball or let our defense play well and, and we'll try to win on special teams. McCoy was 13 of 22 for 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception, although he only had, I believe I read, one completion that was longer than 15 to 20 yards. So he's not going to really expand your defense or at least play the vertical game. So, yeah, they're going to keep it on the ground. And as Vance Joseph said, quote, they're slowing teams down, burning out the clock. Ball control is where this Giants team has won games this season and specifically during this four game winning streak. Yeah. Well, that means they got to pick up, you know, a couple of third downs, you got to extend drives and that's, that's gotta be the number one besides, you know, getting in manageable first and second downs that that's gotta be the emphasis week that this week, because, you know, that means they're going to have to go on long drives. And if they try to play that game, keep Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense on the field that can backfire. So um, get them off on third down, then they, they can't, you know, uh, run the ball. But if, if they're running three or four yards a pop, they're going to continue to run it. And then, you know, they're not looking at third and eight, Craig. They're looking at third and two, and that's a manageable running down. This Cardinals defense at one point was a top 10 defense on third down. Then they dropped to about a top 15. Right now they stand at number 20 allowing 42.6% on third down. And that is a stat that is not sitting well with Coach Joseph, who brought up third down a number of different times when he addressed the media earlier today because you look at what the Rams did, 9 of 15 on third down. And that is why Joseph believes the Cardinals' defense was on the field for so long in the first half. Not because the Cardinals' offense was going three and out, but because the Cardinals' defense failed to get off the field on third down. And he said they were, they were, they were uh, you know, on their drives, they were picking up two or three third downs. You know, at some point you got to make a stop. Somebody has to make a play. And some of those drives were long, and we know it, it could be difficult. But it wasn't like they were throwing bombs. It wasn't like they were getting 40 yards. It was, you know, a 10-yard pass and then yards after catch, run after catch. So, um, you know, you look at Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate. They also have Dante Pettis there. But he uh, he also mentioned Evan Ingram, and he's a very athletic tight end. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much they'll use him in the, in the blocking game, but – they do have some weapons on the outside, and they do have some speed. And, and Golden Tate may draw that assignment with Byron Murphy, and then Kirkpatrick's going to be on the outside, and we could see Patrick on Slay or possibly Sterling Shepard. Well, Ingram, a team-best 48 catches, and that's from a tight end position. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Giants' passing offense when you have a tight end, a very good tight end, but it's the tight end position that doesn't get a lot of targets, yet he has a lot of targets plus 48 catches. And let's hope, knock on wood here, we haven't had, chance, we haven't had to talk about the tight end position when it comes to the Cardinals' defense this season. Yeah, there's been a couple of tight ends that have gotten loose or scored a touchdown, but it has not been an issue this season. I'm not saying that to watch out on Sunday, but just keep an eye 
on Evan Ingram as a tight end, especially knowing the history the Cardinals have covering tight ends. You know, Craig, something else we uh, should talk about because it's not only the Cardinals, and we talked about it yesterday about, you know, we love the continuity and chemistry with the, the five offensive linemen. And our colleague, Kala Odegaard, got a chance to talk to Joe Judge. And I did notice on their snap sheet, Will Hernandez was, was subbing, and we can get into a little more here. But uh, the Giants are also doing it. And now when I look at their tackles, they got, you know, again, Andrew Thomas' first-round pick. And they went out and got Cameron uh, Fleming from the Dallas Cowboys. And those guys graded out very, very well. Not saying that Seattle's have pass rushers, but um, just, just to hear another coach kind of have similar. And he also said, we want to keep these guys fresh. And, you know, they want to play some young guys. They're in a little bit different spot. The Cardinals are trying to win games. What were your thoughts when you heard Joe Judge say that they're doing something similar? It was a surprise just because you don't hear it a lot. And to be honest, I haven't watched a whole heck of a lot of Giants games outside of highlights. But in highlights, you don't see offensive linemen running in and out. It's typically not done because you like the continuity of five guys working together as a team. It's not five individuals like sometimes a defensive line might be when you've got three or four. You might not have the most talented individuals, but when you put five guys together, you might have the best offensive line in the entire league. That's why, one, it was eye-opening, and two, is like you start questioning why are you shuffling so much, especially, as you said, the Cardinals are in win now. They need these games. And you can argue the Giants, because of their run here of four in a row, that they need this one as well, and you'd be absolutely correct. This is something, though, they've done for the better part of this entire season because they have a longer-term outlook on those young players. Although, one note, Matt Pert, the tackle dealing with an ankle injury, he did not practice yesterday or today. So something to pay attention to with regards to the Giants' depth along the offensive line. But I'll be interested to see if this is a trend that more and more teams do and the Cardinals were just at the forefront, or if this is just a one-off and teams look at it and say, no, we prefer keeping five guys consistency, continuity, however else you want to explain it. I'd be real leery if I'm a head coach or an offensive coordinator, especially if I'm changing out the center. And the Cardinals did that last week with Mason Cole and Lamont Gilliard. That's, that can be dangerous, especially whether you're under center or out of the shotgun. Well, if you remember uh, when they were making some of these changes and Andrew Thomas was, you know, a lot of times, I guess the, um, Mark Colombo, he used to coach the Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett brought him over from Dallas, and he was the head offensive line coach, and he was doing his media session, and he was telling what uh, Andrew Thomas was doing wrong. You don't tell that in the media. Why? People write stories. They're going to read about it. And so he ended up getting into an argument with Joe Judge, and he used some profanity, and they fired him on the spot. Then they hired the backup, and ever since they hired the backup offensive line coach, they've been playing much better. Andrew Thomas is settling in. You know, people were – again, you don't draft a guy for one year. He's your future left tackle. They, they went out and got Nate Solder, and, you know, they spent a ton of money for him. And so, you know, you know and they drafted Will Hernandez in, in the second round in 2018, and, and that's Dave Gettleman. So, and they, you know, they got Barkley. So, uh, when, when they made that change, you started seeing a difference with that offensive line. Just, just, and again, that guy was the backup there. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, 
Um, but Mark Colombo, he, he had that player's mentality and he, you know, he's got a coach in the building. You don't coach on, on, in the media session. It's going to be interesting to see. And one last point on this Cardinals defense going against the Giants offense. You wonder how much it will mean for a Marcus Golden and a Devon Kennard going against their former team. Now, it was just a few weeks ago Golden was wearing that Giants blue and Devon Kennard was drafted by the Giants. He's played on the Lions and then the Cardinals now. So it's been a little while since he wore those colors, but it always is a storyline and it's always interesting. Justin Pugh brought it up earlier this week. He admitted, oh, I want to beat the Giants, even though there's barely any players that he played with, but there are still people in that organization. And when you spend X number of years with the team and then you leave, you always kind of want to show whether it was your choice or not that you left that, hey, you know what? I'm succeeding without you. And that's that's just human nature. Yeah, I think Justin Pugh likes to play back in New Jersey, New York, whether it's the Jets or Giants, but obviously that's the team that drafted him. Uh, Marcus Golden, he couldn't be thrilled to be an Arizona Cardinal. Hopefully it all works out. He's here again next year and he can have a bigger role. You know, I'd have to go back because he did have that sack on that Thursday night. I don't know how much playing time he was getting, you know, and he had to make a decision and he went back there and signed a four-year deal and the Cardinals owned like two and a half on on the remaining uh, games he was going to play. He was expecting a long-term deal. So uh, obviously they they felt like, you know, he was probably on a one-year deal. Um, Their linebackers, you start looking at their linebackers on defense, you know, their Sam linebackers, a six-round pick. Uh, Blake Martinez was a free agent pickup from the Packers. Um, you look at Devontae Downs. Um, he was a free agent from the 49ers. They, they drafted three guys in the seventh round. Uh, Carter Coughlin, uh, Tate Crowder, and TJ Brunson. And those guys are actually playing. The, their, their draft class is one of the best draft classes that's actually playing. So you could tell when you hire a new coach, they're building for the future. So um, at the same time, this is a game that Cardinals, and that's why it's so, you know, we do it just out of, you know, when do the Cardinals go to the East Coast, how many uh, primetime games they have, who's their home opener, when's the division games. We all look at the schedule, a new head coach, and uh, you can just chalk this up. Well, not so fast. Yeah, it's one of those Happens games. every year, Craig. Yep. Because, because we, what... we and, and, and let's be honest, the Cardinals haven't faced murderer's row with opposing quarterbacks this year. When the schedules come out, it doesn't account for one, injuries, two, weather, and then everything else that comes up during the course of a season. So what looked like a sure win in the offseason, maybe even in training camp and then week one, now all of a sudden there's a big question mark here in week 14 because there's a lot of people you sit and read and listen to what is being said and written. There's a lot of people that are picking the Giants over the Cardinals this week. I get it, and I and, and know certain people, like our guy Kyle, doesn't like momentum. But, you know, Craig, they haven't played against Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, they're playing against the NFC East quarterbacks, okay? I mean, I, I know Kyler Murray played against Lamar Jackson. I know Josh Rosen played against Kansas City right a couple of years ago. I mean, that's, got, that's the first thing I look at besides home opener. Okay, how many good – Quarter quality, you know, they played against Josh Allen. You know, Tua at the time was rolling, but they they've avoided a lot of 
of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't know if that's going to be the case next year. So you, you better start winning and get, you know, and get some confidence going to you can build off this, these last four games. Bird gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals underground, the big red rage, the Cardinals red sea report. And of course this show Cardinals cover two. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Well, we did not have Thursday night football a week ago, so you had your entire evening free to prepare for Mike Jarecki's three keys for a victory and the always popular X Factor. We do have Thursday night football this week, and it's a good one. The Rams hosting the Patriots, yet we're still expecting MJ to bring it on Friday's Football Fridays edition of Cardinals Cover 2. Well, if you listen to the show over the last couple of days, I pointed a couple out. Now we'll go more in depth because, as we say, Craig, it's all about matchups. And you know, let's, let's, I know that, you know, the people are angry and I get it and they're upset. Um, a lot of negativity out there. And just, just remember, they're only in the second year of this, this, this new regime with the head coach and the quarterback. It takes time, but again, when you get off to a five and two, six and three start, I understand the expectations and get right. But at the same time, one game at a time, just get this one and it will go a long way how this team finishes in the final four games. Well, we await what Mike Jarecki has to say on Friday's edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And on that note, we will put a lid on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time on Cardinals Cover 2.